Ask, and it will be given to you, Jesus said. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. For what man is there among you when his son asks him for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent or a snake? If, if you then, being evil, know how to give what is good to those who ask him, then how much more shall your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask? Words from Jesus about being bold in prayer. A long time ago, a small town out west had been dry for many years. That means that no alcohol had been sold or served there. One day, a businessman decided to build a bar. And a group of Christians uh, planned an all-night prayer meeting because they wanted to keep the bars out of town. Shortly after their prayer meeting, lightning came down from the sky and struck the bar and burned it to the ground. So after the owner of the bar sued the church. <laughs> he claimed that the prayers of the people in the church were responsible for the burning of the bar. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible for the bar being burned. So the judge reviewed the case. And before the trial began, he said, no matter how this case turns out, two things are clear. One, the bar owner believes in the power of prayer. And number two, the Christians do not. <laughs> Sometimes we disbelieve in the power of prayer, right? We say we believe in prayer, but the way we pray and the things that we ask for prove that we really don't believe in prayer, not as much as we say we do. And so we can kind of drift into thinking that prayer is kind of a nice thing to do, but frankly, lots of us believe it's a waste of time because it doesn't really make any difference anyway. So when things happen after we pray, we go, nah, it's probably just a coincidence. Why pray? And, and a lot of us in this room, let's just face it, we're not as bold as we ought to be in prayer. We aren't really fervent. We're not really passionate we're not really asking God for good and great things like we could. Remember that childhood prayer, uh, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That always bothered me that good and food don't really rhyme. <laughs> but that's a topic for another day. Uh, but I want us to transform that prayer just a little today into something that I hope we can live and believe and apply to our lives. Since God is great and God is good, let us ask him for more than food. Let's ask him for a bunch of stuff, big stuff that's great and good. So I want you to take a little self-assessment today and just 
Ask yourself, how bold am I really in asking God for great and good things? Bless you. That was a bold sneeze <laughs> for bold prayers. All right. So here's the self-assessment. Uh, this, this, is, this is like, you, you want to have a low score like in golf with this one. Five would be always, four usually, uh, three sometimes, two rarely, one never. So here's the first uh, thing to assess. Since I know that God already knows what he's going to do, I don't feel the need to pray much about things. So how would you score yourself there? Uh, if you always feel that way, give yourself a five. If you sometimes feel that way, give yourself a three. This is also in your program, I think, if you want to do that. Number two, because God did not give me what I asked from him before, I find myself not asking for very much now. If you usually feel that way, you're a four. If you rarely feel that way, you're a two. And then third, asking God for blessings, even spiritual ones, seems kind of selfish, so don't ask him for very much. Be honest. Five, four, three, two, one. So how'd you do? Really? You know, if, if, if you're above six, okay, then you're probably not as bold as the Bible wants you to be in your prayer life. You're probably not asking God for as much good and great stuff as you could be. Today, we're going to spend some time thinking through two problems with prayer that I've noticed a lot of followers of Christ in my 30 years of ministry here in Northeast Ohio, a lot of followers of Christ have these two problems. One's you could call the problem of God's sovereignty. The second, the problem of God's generosity. Now, there's no problem with God's sovereignty in the sense that he is sovereign, and there's no problem with God's generosity in the sense that he's generous. It's just that some followers of Christ have problems understanding how his sovereignty and how his generosity works. And sometimes we make wrong assumptions, we draw wrong conclusions, and it limits how bold we are in our prayer lives. Now, I'm grateful that some of you in this room have absolutely no problem with either one of those. But, but you need to know, some people outside the church, as well as some people inside this room, have some very real problems with that. A friend uh, of mine lost two family members to death in the space of three days. Urgent, fervent, passionate prayer went out for family member number one who died, and then bold Desperate, zealous pleading from God went up about family member number two who died three days later. So my friend said, I don't have any problem recognizing the sovereignty of God. I trust God's going to work it out for good. I believe Romans 8, 28. I'm still praying, pray prayers of praise and thanks and confession. But my friend said this, it just made me never to want to ask for things. In my prayer life, I lean way too much to the side of God's sovereignty. It's sort of an attitude that God's going to do whatever God's going to do. And so my friend is just not asking for very much. And that's sad because Christian prayer is very unique. It's different from all the other religions of the world. Our prayers come from a child of God to a sovereign heavenly father through Jesus, God the Son, and are offered in the power of the Holy Spirit and so we are invited to be bold. We are invited to share our hearts. We are invited to ask for what we want and need. We are like little children who come to a heavenly daddy, and we ought to have great expectation. So when my friend says, it just made me want to not ask for much, 
I'm sad for my friend. But we shouldn't really be shocked by this. We should have soft hearts for these very real existential problems that our people have. I've had this problem. Not ashamed to admit it. And sometimes I go, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. So you know what? I'm just not going to pray about him. I'm just going to trust him. One of the reasons you might not be praying like you could and should is because you've been wounded by life. You've experienced a lot of unanswered prayers. So your enthusiasm for prayer is just not there. And if that's you, I just want you to know something. You are welcome here. You're not alone here. And I hope no fall of Christ has given you um, some unwelcome, uncaring, holier-than-thou Sunday school answers to why you ought to be praying. I just want us to dig in today, and let's deal with this issue, the problem of God's sovereignty. See, if you Google the sovereignty of God in prayer, you're going to see website after website, article after article, blog after blog about this. It's a very real problem that people have. If God is sovereign, if he's in control of everything, why should we pray? If he already knows what he's going to do, if he's working out his determined plan, then what difference will my little puny prayers make? So yes, God is sovereign. He's in control. God accomplishes what he sets out to do. Uh, let me just give you one verse about this. This is Isaiah chapter 46. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Boom! God does what God wants to do. He is sovereign. But think with me. This God who accomplishes all of his purposes is also the God who has commanded us to pray. Because he has created a world. He has created a universe, a system that he governs. And in his system, prayer is something that he actually answers. It's a mystery how his sovereignty and our prayers work together. But the word of God is full of verses that command us, ask us, invite us to ask God for things. Just some from Jesus, John 14. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In John 15, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask, ask Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. John 16, until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be made full. So we do have a sovereign God, but he is a prayer commanding, prayer inviting, and prayer answering God. So if somehow our belief in the sovereignty of God is limiting what we ask from God, then... Um, our belief in the sovereignty of God is flawed somehow. If we think, well, God's going to do what God's going to do, so I'm not going to pray, then we've misunderstood the scriptures. And in fact, if that's our conclusion, we may not have received all the great and good things from God that we could have received if we had just asked for them. In fact, it says in James chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. I dreamed I went to heaven. And Jesus showed me all around. And then we came to a large room. 
And uh, we opened the door to the room, and I looked inside, and I saw these beautifully wrapped presents, unopened. And I said, what are all these unopened presents? And Jesus said, those are the gifts that I would have given you if you had asked me for them. Now, I, I doubt if anything like that is actually going to happen in heaven. That's my dream. <laughs> but you get the point, right? Prayer is some kind of a mystery. Yes, God is sovereign. He's got a plan for our lives. That means he knows what he's going to give us even before we're born. So why pray? And here's, here's one answer. He has ordained, ordained that prayer is the means by which we receive from him. So the one who receives the most from God is the one who asks the most from God. The Bible teaches that he's got a plan. He's working out his plan for our good and his glory. And at any moment, there is one possible future. It is the future that God has determined. But don't confuse this with fatalism. Fatalism is the view that our lives and our prayers don't affect the future. It's incorrect for us to say, if God has determined every future event, then my prayers can't affect the future. So how do prayers and God's sovereignty work? Well, suppose God has determined to heal your Aunt Susan of cancer three months from now. If God's determined to do it, it's going to happen. It cannot fail to happen. The event is fixed, but so is every other event leading up to the moment of healing, including the prayers that you pray for her healing. See, God not only plans the end, he also plans the means to the end. He plans the destination and he plans the entire journey it takes to get there. So he governs all the events in the universe, including the seemingly small ones like our prayers, as well as the seemingly big ones like someone's healing. So what happens in the future then does depend on what we do and pray in the present. Um, Eric and Sheena Kramer, Kramer they, they left our church to go to northern Mexico in a mountainous remote area because there are a group of people there called the Tarahumara people who are far from God. It's an unreached people group and they're working in a hospital there trying to share the good news of Christ and plant churches. Um, the Bible teaches that there will be people from every language, every tongue, every nation around the throne of Christ in heaven forever someday. So this means that some of the Taruhumara people that they're ministering to will be there. And this is a tough people group. I mean, they are superstitious. They have pagan practices. Uh, they only have a concept of guilt and sin. So it is hard for them to see their need for a savior. Tough people group. So, so we believe that some Tarahumara will be in heaven someday. The Bible says so in the book of Revelation. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be around the throne. Now, God is sovereign in salvation just like he's sovereign in everything else. So if God is going to save who he's going to save, if he's going to do what he's going to do, then why are Eric and Sheena there? Why do we send missionaries? It's because we know that God uses people like us to share the good news, to accomplish his purposes, to save some people. So sharing the good news is part of his plan for people to respond to the good news of the gospel. He is using the means of missionaries 
to accomplish his ends. And that's why we have a team that's going down there in a couple of weeks. See, God uses prayer also to accomplish his purposes, just like he uses the preaching of the gospel to accomplish his purposes. Prayer is work just as much as preaching is work. God uses our work to accomplish his will. So in that way, prayer is part of his sovereignty. So I want us to just pause right now and pray for the Tarahumara people, for Eric and Sheena, and for our team going down there. So would you bow and let's pray together? Father, we believe that in your eternal plan, you already know who among the Tarahumara will stand around the throne of Jesus someday and sing, worthy is the lamb. Uh, But God, you have sent Eric and Sheena there to work in a hospital, to open up doors, to share the good news. We ask you to bless them, encourage them, protect them, use them, keep them safe from the drug lords. And I pray that you help them learn the language so that they communicate the best truth possible. And Lord, we're sending team down there to do some building and to do some sharing. I pray that you give them safety. I pray that you give them unity. And I pray that you give them boldness and opportunity to be able to have conversations with people. And somehow, Lord, you would uh, take the blinders off so that those people can see the beauty of the glory of Jesus. Uh, I pray that you would bring people that are walking in spiritual deadness and darkness to life and light. That people who are chained right now to superstition and drunkenness and wasteful living would be set free to honor you. Father, we don't know how your sovereignty and this prayer work together, but we're going to be bold and ask you to make it so that we can someday stand shoulder to shoulder with the Tarahumara and give praise to Jesus Christ together in heaven forever. Make it so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. See, God uses prayer to accomplish his purposes. Some things have happened only because they were prayed for They would not have happened if they were not prayed for. God responds to prayer. God changes things. Don't think that God will grant you apart from prayer what he has promised to give you only by means of prayer. To say we don't need to pray because God has determined all outcomes is like saying, well, I don't need to take medicine because God has determined all outcomes. Well, it's true. God has determined all outcomes, but God has also determined the means by which those outcomes will take place. You get sick, then you get well, and you thank God. And somebody says, hey, wait a minute, time out. Did you take medicine to get well? Yes. Well, why are you thanking God then? Well, because God used the medicine to get me well. See, God's in charge of you getting well, and God's also in charge of you taking the medicine to get well. In a similar way, prayer is like a pill. It's the means that God uses to accomplish his purposes. C.S. Lewis said it like this, the event in question has already been decided. In a sense, it was decided before all worlds. But one of the things taken into account in deciding it, and therefore one of the things that really caused it to happen, may be this very prayer that we're now offering. My free act of prayer contributes to the cosmic shape of things. 
And so some of us just need to say, you know, whoa, wait a minute. I need to be praying a whole lot more if I can really affect the outcome, even with God's sovereignty. He has created a world in which he answers our prayers. He does do what he wants to do, but what he does do is in response to the prayers of his people. If your understanding of God's sovereignty leads you to pray less, you got to rethink your understanding of God's sovereignty. There are events that will not happen. There are souls that will not be saved. There are some wayward children in this room that will not come back to Christ. And there are relationships that will not be restored unless we pray for them. And that ought to put us on our knees. Somebody asks, well, if God's sovereign, why pray? And I ask, why pray if he isn't? Since he's sovereign, we can go to him and ask him for great things. Since God is great and God is good, let us ask him for what is great and good. That's the problem of God's sovereignty. Now let's talk about the problem of God's generosity. Because I'm imagining in this room, filled with people who've been praying about things that just haven't happened for you, you're disappointed about it, you're demotivated in your prayer life, so your problem's not with God's sovereignty, your problem is with God's goodness. Because you've asked for something that appeared to be very good and God didn't give it to you. So you're thinking, well, maybe God's not as good as everybody says he is, or maybe he's just not being good to me. So you're not motivated to pray. Why should I pray when God hasn't given me something that I asked for that was clearly good? So I want you to brainstorm with me. This has been a little challenging for the first two services today because I, I think we're not just okay being raw. Like we put the Sunday mask on and we pretend to be more pious than we really are. Well, don't do that. What are some things that you ask God for but you didn't receive? Okay? Think about it. So you shout it out. I'll say it again, and we'll put it up on the screen. What are some things? What's that? Your brother's salvation. There you go. What else? Yeah. Say it. A quarterback for the Browns. Well, that broke the ice. That was awesome. I'm sure there are people in that front office who have been praying that prayer. That's for sure. Six winning numbers in the lotto. Numbers in the lotto. <laughs> An end to bullying. Okay, now we're on the right track. Who said you two could sit on the front row? Okay, yeah. Your brother's life. Okay, yeah. Freedom from cancer, direction, financial independence, a what? A godly husband. Yes, sir. Bring your grandpa back to life. All right, we're getting raw now. We're getting real. A baby. Yeah. To be closer to God. Motivation. An end to abortion. Great country leaders. All right, we could go on for a long time, but here's, here's what I want you to feel. There's, there, there should be a heaviness in our hearts and a 
and a, and a, and a, and a willingness to talk about our wounds. Because we've all asked for things that we didn't receive and we thought they were really good things. All of us have been there. So what, what do we do with that? It's a common experience for every follower of Christ. And even Jesus had this experience. Because remember, in his last days, Father, let this cup, cup of suffering, cup of the cross, pass from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I've seen people die on those crosses. I don't want to do that. But yet, he did. He didn't get everything that he asked for, even Jesus I don't think that demotivated him in prayer. He viewed prayer as an opportunity not just to get from God, but also to get close to God. But it still doesn't answer the question as to why God doesn't give us some things that we think are truly good for us and good for the people we love. Now, I'm a grandfather of two little boys, seven and three. I don't give those kids everything they ask for. Now, I probably give them a whole lot more than their mommy and daddy wish I would give them, um, but I don't give them everything. I have a wisdom, I think at least I do, that is beyond theirs. And I'm just not going to give them things that will be harmful for them, no matter how many crocodile tears they cry, no matter how much pleading they do. Caleb, who's three years old, he wants to come down the, up, the steps by himself. And you know what? We're just not going to let him do it. Why don't I give him what he asked for? It's because I love him. Now, it doesn't give a father or a grandfather or a grandmother or a mother pleasure to say no. In fact, one of the most rewarding things for me is to give to my children and grandchildren. Giving to them is life-giving to me. And in the same way, I don't think God is a stingy God. He's a generous God. He loves to give good gifts to his children. So when he says no, I just have to take it by faith that it was a good and wise no. Example. I personally wanted to make it to the major leagues as a baseball player. I worked really hard at it, and I prayed really, really, really hard for it. But my talent only took me to double-A baseball. I remember wrestling with God about this issue. God, why didn't you let me make it to the major leagues? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you answer my wife's prayer? I mean, after all, my goal as a major league player is to use my platform uh, to lead others to know Christ. Don't you understand that? kind of bargaining with God a little bit, right? Don't you think? But you know what? It's a good thing that I was asking for, right? And I remember right after my career, such as it was, ended, <laughs> I was reading in Matthew chapter 7, the verse I quoted earlier. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and him who knocks the door will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks him for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God the Father will not give snakes and stones to his children. He just won't do it. He's only going to give good gifts to his children. And suddenly, even in my mid-20s, I kind of had an insight. In my limited, finite understanding, I thought, making it to the major leagues is going to be bread and fish for me. But God, in his infinite wisdom, saw, no, 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 no. That's a snake and a stone for your soul. The snake will bite you and poison you, and the stone will weigh you down. 
So God in his wisdom said no. See, God will only give us what we would have prayed for if we had known what he knows about us and what he knows about our future. God only gives us what we would have asked for if we had known what he knows. We may not understand it now, but someday we will thank God for unanswered prayer. Country singer Garth Brooks sings a song about going to a high school football game with his wife. And he sees his old high school flame. And he remembers that when he was in high school, he used to pray every night, Oh, Lord, 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 please give me this girl for my wife. And so he and this old flame talk about the old days at that high school football game. And he thought to himself, Well, she's not nearly the angel that I thought she was. And then he looked at his wife. And he realized, I'm grateful that God did not answer that prayer for that other girl back in high school. <laughs> and the song ends this way. Just because he may not answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now there's a sense in which God, there's no prayer unanswered. I mean, sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says yes. But know this. He will only give to his children bread and fish. He won't give snakes and stones. So getting that no from God about making it to the major leagues, thankfully, didn't make me stop praying. Instead, it caused me to cry out to the Father, Lord, give me true bread, true fish. Give me the best things that can come from your hand. And you know what? I really believe that the existence of Calga Valley Church is one of the ways that God answered that prayer. Personally, I don't want to get to heaven and find out that there were blessings and gifts from God that he would have granted if I just asked him for them. F.B. Meyer said this, the greatest tragedy of the Christian life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Since God is great and God is good, let us ask him for what is great and good. So are you boldly asking God for good and great things? Now the question that Pastor Chad gave me was, why should we pray? And there are many reasons for that. I've tried to address two reasons why we often don't. But we should pray to worship. We should pray to give thanks to God. We should pray to just fellowship, to just be with the one who loves us most. We should pray to seek help and to get guidance. We should pray to bless others. We ought to pray just to obey. Why should we pray? Because God said to. That's why he said so should pray just to tell God you love him. But our focus today is we should pray to get what is great and to get what is good. Since God is great and good, let us ask him for what's great and good. Are you boldly asking for great and good things? You know, in your program and on the screen is a, is a drawing of a hand. So I want to teach you a little uh, prayer tool that you can use when you wake up in the middle of the night uh, when you're having your morning quiet time, when you're walking around the neighborhood or the park or, or when you're on your drive to work. 
And as I teach you this tool, I want you to be thinking, what is one great and good thing that I could ask from God that maybe I haven't asked before? Because I'm afraid when God hears some of us pray, you know, prayer you might think is boring to you, but the way we pray, I think it sometimes may be boring to God. Because he goes, you're not asking me for anything like fresh, new, great, good, challenging, big. Bring it on, he says. So be thinking about that. The thumb would be praying for somebody closest to your heart. Thumb close to your heart. So that's family members, friends. Your pointer finger would be to pray for people that are pointing people to God, pointing people to Christ, pastors, teachers, missionaries, church planters. This tall finger would be to pray for people in authority, uh, first responders, police, firemen, government, educational, business leaders. This uh, ring finger is it's kind of a weak finger. It's hard to do a whole lot with it. So pray for people that are weak, uh, people that are sick, orphans, widows, um, people that are struggling with mental illness. And your little finger, pray for children. Pray for the unborn. Pray for the next generation, the little ones. And then because Isaiah 49 says, your name is engraved on the palm of God's hand, pray for yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time. I'm going to walk you through those prayers. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, try to block out everything. And then I want you to ask God for something great and something good in each category for some person. Ask God to give you something new to pray that you've not prayed before. Okay? So let's start with somebody close to you with a thumb. Pray for somebody close to you. Ask God for something great and good. Next, ask God for something great, for something good, for somebody who's pointing others to Christ. Pastor, missionary, church planter. Ask God for something great and good for, for someone in authority, a government leader, business leader, an educational leader, a first responder. Ask God for something great and good for somebody that's weak, sick, in prison, orphan, widow, somebody struggling with mental illness. Ask God for something great and good for a little child, or for the unborn. Your name is engraved on the palm of God's hand. Ask Him for something good and great for you, something new that maybe you haven't asked Him for before. Father, hear our prayers. Show up and do great and mighty things which can only be explained by God did it. We don't want normal, natural lives. We want the touch of the supernatural on us and on everyone around us. Because we want people to see how glorious and how great you are as a father in heaven. Do great things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, read this with me on the screen.
Since God is great and God is good, let us ask him for what is great and what is good. One last thing before we go, before we sing. If, if you don't know Christ, the greatest and the best thing that you could ever ask him to do for you is to give you repentance and faith in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. He rose from the grave. And he now gives us access to the Father. And you can become his child today. Because God is great and God is good, you can become his child and then begin to ask him for what is great and good in your life. And there may be times when you will have seemingly unanswered prayers. And there may be times when you may be greatly disappointed by what God does or doesn't do. But I've never known anyone who put their faith in Jesus and established a relationship with the Father in heaven who ever regretted it. When Jesus taught his followers to pray, he taught them to begin this way, Our Father, which art in heaven. This is unique to the Christian. You won't hear a Hindu, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an agnostic, or an atheist, a secularist ever begin prayer with those words. In those six short words alone, Our Father who art in heaven, we see those two truths, the greatness of God and the goodness of God. The goodness of God is our Father, and the greatness of God is the one who sovereignly controls everything in heaven. God is great. God is good. It's right there in our Father who art in heaven. And as soon as you cry out in prayer, Heavenly Father, you are recognizing His greatness and goodness in your life. So I want to give those of you who may be here that haven't ever trusted Christ, you don't know that you know that you know you're going to heaven, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. You can just whisper a prayer to God. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe that you are great and good. I believe you sent Jesus to die on a cross, to pay for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. Right now, I want to become your child. I turn from my sin. I embrace Christ. Please do great and good things in me, for me, and through me for the rest of my life. If you prayed with me in your heart, there's a little box on your program that you received today. You can check it. I pray to receive Christ. And we're not going to bug you, but we would love to help you grow in your faith in Christ. One more time. Let's say our statement one more time. Since God is great... And God is good. Let us ask him for what is great and what is good. Pray boldly this week. Okay? Pray boldly this week. God help us. In Jesus' name. Amen.